welcome back to the Distractaholics podcast. I'm Morgan. I am Tyler. Are you sure about that? You don't I sound am very not, sure. I am not sure, but we're going to go with it for today. All right. So today we are going to be talking about the 2014 movie, The Babadook. Ooh. Ah. Uh, Did you see the so, Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie? It was like 98. 98. Yeah. It was insane. I, um, first, to give everyone a quick synopsis, a single mother and her child fall into a deep well of paranoia when an eerie children's book titled Mr. Babadook manifests in their home. Scary. Ah. Okay, so main characters are mom, who um, her name is Amelia, and she's played by Essie Davis. And then we have Samuel, her son, who's played by Noah Wiseman. I didn't know either of these actors at all i don't know them really to this day i don't know anything else that they've been in i don't think this was like a big like star making film it just happens to be pretty good yeah very indie so yeah yeah i think it i would assume it's titled like or categorized as an indie film um so for some background on watching this i made sure that i was watching this in the morning during the day so i can forget about it before i go to sleep i roll as much as i love horror movies i am one of the biggest babies when when i come i love being scared i do i love being scared but if you ever watch a horror with me a horror movie with me it's hilarious because i will be like hiding under the blankets even though i'm sweating profusely just like trying to protect myself oh jeez! and here i am watching it at midnight <laughs> yeah so the movie starts out with dreams and we'll come to find as we continue to um review horror movies anything with dreams sleepwalking night terrors sleep paralysis that stuff really scares me because you're in such a vulnerable state when you sleep that I don't, stuff that happens in your dreams really scares me because it's so out of your control. Okay, Morgan. But, but the, see, the scary part didn't happen until after she woke up and there was a child staring at her. That was way scarier than the dream she was having. <laughs> I, I won't disagree with that, which actually leads me to my next part of the notes. Um, I said the scene of sleeping with the child. If you have ever slept in the same bed with a little kid, you know that is extremely accurate. They're grinding their teeth. They're punching you in the face. They're turning to weird angles and kicking you. It's It was spot on how it emphasized all those uncomfortable things of sleeping with a child. I've never had this problem. <laughs> I do a lot of I tend to keep it that way. The first 15 minutes of this film were the best birth control I have ever seen in my entire life. I could not stand how this child was acting. I don't, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm very patient. I am a very patient person. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could handle it. I, I mean, that's one of the reasons I don't have children and I don't want children is because I don't know if I could handle it. And I think that's okay for me to realize and that's healthy for me to, to say, but I don't, I don't know. This child needs some discipline. Like he should not be talking to his mother like that at all. And being a single mother is no joke. And yeah, I don't know how people do it. Yeah, and on top of being a single mother, she had the dramatic loss of her husband. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not just like, you know, they walked away and that, 
you know, sometimes in the child's life, he's he's gone, gone. And she's right. not getting and, any help from her family. Yeah. And not only that, like he died when trying to bring the son into the world. Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like, you know, when a mom dies in childbirth, how they kind of have that conflict with like the dad and the child because the child is is a blessing but at the same time was the cause of the mother's death i'm just i'm not saying in this is this child was not a blessing. i didn't say no. anything i didn't say a word i see your facial expressions listeners if you want to see tyler's facial expressions subscribe to our patreon when this little kid starts talking to imaginary friends and like looking up in weird corners and shit like that's one of my biggest fears is like because, you know, ch children are so innocent and they're pure of heart and all of this. And they're if if there are supernatural forces, children are going to be susceptible to them because they're so innocent and pure and they don't a majority of them, not this child. But don't have a mean bone in their body and they're just so sweet and caring. And if they start seeing shit that you can't see, we don't know it isn't there. We're too jaded. Also, I fully approve of checking for monsters before you go to sleep. Okay. <laughs> I have a question. Why is it always the basement? <sighs> okay. The, the basement door in this movie actually reminded me of the basement door in Murder House from American Horror Story. Did you kind of get that ambiance, that same type of scene? No. that's what I was seeing. I did not, but because you love that first season more than I do, um, I think it's always the basement because there's always like these negative connotations that have just always been there. People just always say, oh, it's that creepy basement. It's got concrete walls it's where you just throw things i loved our basement growing up like we had a complete concrete basement and we would rollerblade down there we would play dress up we listened to my parents old records like we just had an amazing basement growing up and that's where we spent all of our time if we weren't outside so i've never had that ooh basements are creepy type experience now now let's keep in mind it also depends on the age of the house because i was when i was house shopping we're uh, in yeah, some I could see that. extra creepy like early 1920s houses with some very scary basements See, but I loved, I loved my great grandmother's basement too. Like, because it was, it was so cool because she had like this little back area where she had all these super, super old canned goods and like almost like this old school pantry and everything. We would go down there and play and pretend like we, we had crazy imaginations as children. Wait a minute. Are you saying we don't have great imaginations now, Morgan? Mine's coming back, I think. But I feel like for a long time, you kind of lose that sense of an imagination as an adult. I, we've talked about this before. Like, why does it that playing pretend stops being cool? It actually, we talk about it in our Shutter Island episode. Is that? Yeah, we do. Okay. We do. All right. So that's going to be releasing before this. I like... Robbie. I know. What a nice guy. But I I don't really understand the point of bringing up this character like that he's so nice to her and obviously definitely into her, but then they never go anywhere with it. So, can I give you a like a half thought through theory? Yeah. So I would love that. 
we're going to talk about later that this movie is very symbolic of other things. So I think my interpretation of Robbie's character is that a lot of people get stuck on, well, if you have this thing in your life, then how could you ever be sad or something like that? And I think that's what Robbie's character is meant to symbolize. Like he was a way out for her, a potential way out for her that he, she didn't Mm -hmm. take. No, it it makes sense. Um, But yeah, I, I feel like if they were going to bring that up, like they should have kind of went further into it, like in the ending. It feels like like there's a scene missing. Right. Like in the ending, maybe have Robbie be there for Samuel's birthday party or something like that. She's kind of bringing him into her life because she's overcome, not really overcome, but accepted, you know, all the symbolism shit that we're going to talk about. I thought maybe that that would be the person that was called when she's falling apart at the end, but instead he calls the neighbor. I thought it was going to be Robbie that came in to save the day. I actually thought it was in my head. That's what I remembered, but that's not how it was. Because not everything's a love story, Tyler. I wrote a quote from Samuel Mm -hmm. that's going to go absolutely nowhere, but I wanted to say it. Is it the why don't people like me? It's probably along that same. um, Okay. I wrote people don't like me because I'm weird. And it's probably around the same time as the one you that you just said. (laughs) And I that made me feel so bad because he's just a child. And it made me it made me write. It only gets worse, my friend. Oh, well, okay. So what um what the full quote is is he asks his mom, "Why don't people like me?" Ruby says, "They don't like me because I'm weird." And my thoughts were there's nothing wrong with being weird. Being weird is cool. It makes you unique. It you will find someone who is just as weird as you. You will find your people someday. But people do not like Samuel because he is a little shit. <laughs> That's why they don't like him. Not because he's weird, just because he's a little demon child. So everyone talks about how there are lots of different hidden hidden meanings in this movie. And really the only hidden meaning symbolic stuff that I get is the stress and the pressures of, of being a single mom. And... Um, just how overwhelming that can be along with suffering a great loss and just the stress of having to provide for someone beside yourself, raise someone beside yourself and, you know, working hard to take care of this human when you're working all the time, especially in a nursing home. One of my first jobs was in a nursing home. And that is extremely mentally taxing and physically taxing. And I give props to anyone who does that type of work. But I, I, that was really the impression of the symbolism that I was taking from this movie. Is that, were, is that the same stuff that you took it as? No. No? That's not the same symbolism you were getting? No. See, I, I think it's so open to interpretation because I also went to Reddit because, you know, that's what one does. A lot of people talked about grief, that um, the Babadook represents grief. So I interpreted it completely different. I think it's all open for interpretation. Here's why I like this movie. This is not a monster movie in the traditional sense, as far as my interpretation goes. This... If you thought this movie was about a monster and that this lady was attacking and blah, 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 you're, you're wrong. This movie is all about the symbolism. And in this case, she's fighting a monster 
that she can't necessarily see. And mm-hmm. I interpret that to be symbolic of depression because you're fighting mm-hmm. a monster that you literally can't see. It's you can't fight it. It's nothing that you can attack. You had a quote that, that you wanted to read. Yeah, I did. Um, there's actually a quote from Stephen King that I thought represented this movie extremely well and just all the symbolism and everything from this movie. It's monsters are real and ghosts are real too. They live inside us and sometimes they win. And I just, I feel like that's a very good representation of what the Babadook is supposed to symbolize in this movie. Yeah, so here's how I got to where I was with it. Um, She never really gets over the death of her husband and it puts her into kind of a depressive state. And she partially resents her son for the death of her husband. I, I think that's definitely true. That's what a lot of people on Reddit were saying too. Now, when you get to the bit towards the end where she's, um, this is my house and you, you need to get out kind of thing. That's her finally realizing that she needs help and she needs to take back control of her life. Mm-hmm. And then at the end where she's feeding the Babadook or whatever that was, I, I tuned out a little bit at the end. I was writing notes. That's meant to show that depression is never really cured. It doesn't go away. You just have to learn to live with it and control it. So that's how I got to where I was. Yeah. And from what I was reading on Reddit and my interpretation of it is that she's living with the grief and um, that she, by feeding it the worms and that type of stuff, you have to acknowledge that something is there to fully get over it. It's kind of like the whole um, alcoholics or narcotics anonymous type thing. You have to admit and acknowledge there's a problem before you can get help for it. And I think that that's kind of what they're representing here with her feeding it and her confronting it is you have to confront the grief and acknowledge that it's there, confront your demons so that you can live with it in a healthy way. Okay, so one thing that I really did want to address in this movie is when she takes her son to the doctor finally, which... I guess, in my opinion, she probably should have done this sooner. But, you know, being a single mom, when do you have the time to if you're working all the time? Anyways, so when she takes him to the doctor, they said, you know, we can get him into a psychiatrist, but it's going to take some time. And that is something that does happen in real life still. But I think it's really great that we live in an age where we have easier access to counselors and therapists 24 7 such as um different topics like you have the suicide hotline if you need help you have platforms such as talkspace or better help if you need them if you do need to talk to someone or having difficulty with your mental health please seek treatment make an appointment with a psychiatrist or talk to your family doctor if you need someone to talk to before you can speak with your physician try out some of these resources that we previously mentioned Remember, there's no shame in seeking medical treatment for your mental health because it is an important aspect of your health just as your physical health is. So I just wanted to plug that in here because we see the mom struggle so much with coping that she becomes so resentful that she essentially becomes abusive to her child. And I just I think it's important to actually talk about this topic and 
relay how important it is to get help if you're having any of these feelings about hurting yourself or anyone else and that you're not alone in having these feelings. So please, if any of our listeners feel this way, get help. It's the cool thing to do. Morgan, what what did you rate this movie? I didn't. Mm, Well, I'm going to give you some time. Uh, Okay. What did you rate it? I would give it a seven. I think that as long as you're willing to understand that it's a little bit deeper than just the basic plot, I think it's really good. This was my second time watching it. The first time I watched it, I was really creeped out because, you know, I was afraid I was going to wake up and the Babadook was going to be like sprawled out on the ceiling. And I get sleep paralysis, so I didn't want to like wake up and see him and not be able to move. But being the second time watching it and kind of knowing what to expect and knowing that what it represents and everything and that I'm not a single mom, so the Babadook can't get me. So my rating would probably be probably a five or six. We gave Bridgerton a five. Okay. All right. Maybe a seven. Okay. That's better. But Stardust is a nine. Oh, sorry. What was it? A 9.5. It was a 9.5. Sorry. I am sorry. I liked it. I feel like it had good meaning. But you're not going to, you're not going to keep rewatching it. No, it's not. It's not something that I would actively seek out to rewatch. Like it's not a horror movie that I want to watch over and over and over again. Or I could only watch it one time because it's, it's too scary for me. That's all we got on the Babadook. I it's very symbolic. If you're into it and you haven't watched it and just listened to this because you were too scared to watch it, it's not really scary. There are some creepy parts, but it's more of a symbolic thinker movie. This is coming from the person that watched it during the day, everybody. In the morning. <laughs> so she'd have enough so she'd have enough time to forget it by the time she made it to bed. Okay. And also when I went to bed, I just decided because I I actually thought when I laid down the other night, like, what if I open my eyes and see the Babadook or something creepy on the ceiling? And then I just decided I didn't care and went to bed. That's all. I'm like, all right, I welcome death at this so, point. Yeah, like, it's not that I welcome death. I'm just like, meh, it's going to happen sometime. Make it eventful. I've imagined death so many times it feels more like a memory. That's a Hamilton quote. Let's cover what we're doing next week. Morgan, what are we watching next week? It's your turn to choose. Oh, it's my pick? I mean... Okay, that's right, right, yes, right. That's right. But I, I want you to know that the Babadook was something we had both seen before. So are you following on that trend that we're re-watching something both of us have already well, seen? Or are you going to spring something on me? I really wanted to pick The Greatest Showman. But mm-hmm. when I said it was a musical, Morgan said nobody's going to relate to that, and I hate musicals. That was her exact. I did That was not. her exact paraphrase of what she said. Such a, okay, before we started recording for this podcast, I was singing songs from Wicked that Tyler does not know. So I don't want to hear this. Morgan doesn't like musical bullshit because Morgan doesn't like musicals. I decided that we would watch the classic Fight Club. Oh. Get out of my head, dude. Why? You, uh, what the f***? No, for real. I was thinking today, we should really do Fight Club, but Tyler said he didn't like Fight Club, so maybe we shouldn't do it. Oh, that's so crazy. No, I don't like Fight it, Club, but I can t- I can I know exactly I why know. I don't like Fight Club. Because, oh my gosh. Oh, that's so weird. This is getting too weird for me, Tyler. Yep. 
That's just how it's going to be. By co-hosting a podcast over what it's been like a month and a half now. We've become one mind. We're we're becoming the same person. But all right. So Fight Club, that means I'm going to have to speed read the book again. I read it in college once, but I want to read it again. Fight Club. To prepare for this podcast. So we've already broken the first rule. I know. But anyways, this has been our show on the Babadook. Uh, Let us know your thoughts in the comment section of our website. You can check out our Instagram. I'm considering opening up the comments on YouTube. I'm a little leery and scared about it. But I think if we really want to engage listeners, it's something I should do. So I got to get my tough skin on and do it. But um, let us know your thoughts. Were you thinking the same thing with the symbolism in Babadook? Did you have a completely different um, interpretation of it? Just let us know what your thoughts were. We would love to hear from you. You can always shoot us an email too. And hopefully, since the weather is looking up outside, we can start doing more activities to distract ourselves and get you guys um, some different topics besides movies. So we're always welcome to, to different things. Um, for us to do. Just let us know. Bye. See y'all later. <laughs> <laughs>